Welcome to the Lighthouse Conversations, a show featuring entrepreneurs and tastemakers from the world of art, culture, tech, and of course, food. I'm your host, Hesham Montasir. I'm joined today from Milan by David Raful and Nicolas Mosellem, in short, David and Nicola, two designers who set up their studio in Beirut in 2011 and haven't looked back since. Through what the design press describes as retro-futurist aesthetic, they represented by two highly acclaimed galleries, Nurofar Gallery in Milan, founded by the legendary Nina Yashar, as well as Carpenter's Workshop Gallery, which represents the likes of Rick Owens, Virgil Abloh, and the Campana Brothers. When the New York Times selected them as one of the breakout stars at Milan Design Week in 2014, they were off to the races. As a design enthusiast, I wanted to unpack what retrofuturism really means, how their hybrid Lebanese Francophone backgrounds plays a part in their design process, and frankly, I was also curious, do they actually get along as BFFs slash creative partners? I was telling you, just for the benefit of our listeners, a few minutes ago, that I discovered your Spotify playlist two days ago, which made my evening and gave me a tiny bit of perspective on how you guys think. Uh, I'm going to just start with an aesthetic that you described, that you've been described at and, and also put on your website, which is in terms of your work and your design style, it says uh, it's a retro futurist design aesthetic. I mean, do you feel this description that I just gave gives it justice? Was this you, how you describe your own work? Or were you described as such, maybe one of the galleries that represents you or outside press, etc.? It's hard to say because when we when we started, we didn't have like a descriptive word. We didn't want to have a descriptive word. We didn't even, I think it's when you start, it's a bit, uh, might seem a bit arrogant to like say, okay, this is what I do. But then with the, the first couple of years, then we were described that way from different press, et cetera, et cetera. And then we knew that this is what we were doing, but we couldn't put a, like a, a label on it. So no, now today I, we're confident enough to say that this is what we look for. We we don't say that we like we're not retro futuristic per se, but we have an obsession with time, and everything we do revolves around that. Walk me a little bit through that. What does that mean, obsession with time? It's uh, obsession with time is like to have the because at the end, you know, when we think also sustainability, it comes and then it it comes in many. It, there is many topics that comes when we speak about time. It's to have a piece that you can just give to your to the next generation, something that will stay forever. Okay, and to have something like this is a, is that is the idea is to create a piece that will be okay as we know timeless. So uh, working with time is like when we design a piece, we we. And it's also where retrofuturistic comes comes in. It's like we we get inspired from the past, but also from the future. We're trying to mix things together uh, in a special special uh, narrative. Now, how to put them together in a, a very good harmony? Not doing like something futuristic, and some, sometimes I put something very vintage. But you know, when you you look at our work, it's like there is an evolution. Okay, five years, ten years ago, in 2011, we were starting. We created this uh, series. If you look at, you look at in 2012, it was in Vista Alegre in Portugal. And we created this, this series that was called uh, Digital Love. It's one of the titles of the music of, um, of Daft Punk. And this 
like we still love this series. It's a piece that uh, it's pieces is like uh, plates and like broken plates from the from the factory. We were staying there for three months that we just picked from the factory, like we picked them from the factory and we put them together. And with the glaze, they 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 got stuck together. We did like so, so many composition. And afterwards, one of the artisans we designed to on on it. We designed like some lines in gold and and there was something very digital, but also uh the fact that it was porcelain and everything there is like a feeling of uh of materiality yeah yes is there a conscious choice in terms of for example particular materials you use or a particular design or do you feel this is subconscious and this is the end effect what comes out you know are you going for example and saying just to kind of break it down a bit you know if i use this particular material in my design this really adds to this timelessness element um, or it all comes together and you feel that the end result is really what gives us this kind of particular setting. Because I went through your website and through your various productions, let's say, or design pieces from the beginning. And like you said, I obviously see an evolution, which is great. It's really a superb evolution, I have to say. But I also see a thread. There is clearly a thread from the beginning that I can still trace in your latest uh, creations. There is a thread, of course, and uh, like we don't, we don't. When we work on a project, we don't think of, uh, okay, I want to use this material and that material together. What we do is that when we start our process of creating, we come to a point where, okay, here we have a detail that we need to to work on, and usually the details are accents for us. They're like the little accents that will come and just make the whole project um, uh, stand out, and usually these accents. Typically, they change material because it's a way of junction. So for us, it's a very functional approach, and the material kinds of it kind of uh, imposes itself to the project, and not just our thoughts. So uh, this you can see that clearly from from the first projects up to now. If you look at our our path, it's always when there's a change, when there's a movement, when there's a, like a junction between two things. Usually, we change materials. And we like to have a brief. It's important to have like a target, something, you know, we have to, there is a solution also. It's not like there is the creativity and there is also to find a solution for a specific project, for a specific uh, client, for a specific piece. And so it's a, it's a kind of uh, junction between uh, creativity and uh, techni technicality. And how, how does the interplay work? So obviously you do certain work that may be for a particular client. You know, so you've designed um, restaurants before, you've designed obviously some residential homes, and then you do pieces that may not be a particular client, they go via you, the galleries that represent you or maybe directly out to the public, which, you know, design um, uh, enthusiasts and collectors and others can find. How much of the work do you do is in discussion and in conversation with either that particular client or the galleries versus really something that the two of you sit down and do from beginning to finish uh, on your own. I mean, it's obviously on your own, but I mean, like how much input is there is coming from external parties that may have a, you know, commercial or personal interest in you? It's an interesting uh, uh, question um, because, okay, we can compare them. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Nicola, but uh, I'm, uh, we can compare them with, uh, for example, the pieces that we did for Carpenter's Workshop. 
that was the supernova series. That this yeah. was something that was very like it was us. Like mm. it was really from the beginning to the end. We had we talked with Julien Loic, the, the co-founder of the gallery. We talked with them to understand what they what we the essence of the gallery. Also, it's important to have something that's also why we are with them because there is something that you have to. There is a collaboration. Of course, of course. But uh, but in that series, we had we created something that we really feel. Okay, and. Um, This is where there where there is a difference. For example, last um, last salone, the one that represented the sofa with uh, Takini, okay, which is a brand. Like many we did with many brands, we work with brands. But here you can you have to adapt a bit to the brand to understand what material they use and what they are trying to communicate. They work with many designers, and also you have also to think a lot about the factory, what they, are their capacity, and you have to keep your identity, which is another challenge. Okay, for us as designer, we need those two challenges. Was there any intimidation? I mean, you work today with arguably two, if not the two most important design galleries in the world, probably. I mean, Nilofar and Carpenters both have a fantastic reputation. You look at the roster of designers, it's the who's who of design globally. Was there a moment in that inflection point where you were like, oh my God, now I'm going to be compared to X, Y, and Z? Uh, I have to step up, or was it very natural evolution? And you do what you do, and people just appreciate it. No, I mean, I, we like to, to see the other side of the whatever story. Mm. That we think that we have something that maybe the others don't have. That differentiation point that you're, you're, of course, they saw a differentiation point. I, as a consumer and fan of your work, see a differentiation point. But what do you feel is that differentiation point that you're saying you have and maybe others don't? David, can I speak or you want to? Yes, yeah, no, no, speak, speak, speak. speak, speak, speak. You can both answer this question. No, no, speak, speak, because Nicola will answer better. This no, I'll question. answer it my way if he's not sure. okay with it. He'll give his point of view, and this is how we are anyway. So we're not, a, we don't agree on everything, but I, I we have enough to work problem. on. Yeah. <laughs> so for, for me, we like to control every single millimeter in our projects. Mm -hmm. Okay. There is no room for. Um, Okay, for, for, for example, other artists, they will, they will uh, weld themselves, they will do themselves. And at some point, every piece is different, which is very valuable at the same time. But we are not these kind of designers. We are not mm -hmm. that kind of artists, whatever. We work in a very cerebral way. We like to control every single thing. And I think this is a very big difference already between us and most of the, the other um, collaborators with the gallery. Now, is it a good or a bad thing? I think it's good for us, and it, but it takes more time to develop. It takes more say. time to have yeah. a finished product. We yeah. have products that have been developed for three years just to be perfect. And it takes time because there is no room for mistake. The mistake is so much more visible in that case. Do you feel under pressure from the galleries at times saying, you know, guys, uh, we have uh, Salone coming up. We have this coming up. You guys are, we need to work faster. We need to have more output. Now, I feel pressure from David. I don't feel pressure from the gallery. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I think that sometimes to create, you need pressure. And this oh, 100%. is what uh, I think. I, I think you need pressure. Now, from the gallery, no. But what, we, what I like from the beginning, when we started with them, is that they told us it's going to be a long journey. Okay, so we're going to work like together because it, like we were like we, 
28, 29. It's very young. So it was, yeah, it's young. So you know, you need to. It's uh, it's it's you have to work it's, uh, together to arrive, like to stay long, like to have a long term relationship. Yeah, 100%. You know, so what? Um, so it's a long process creativity with them and now we are trying to, we are working on pieces we are thinking of new pieces for them so it's going to come so it's like but it's taking time we're not going to create something just for the for, to create like this and but as nicolas said we don't have like space to do mistakes like we did like cabinets and stuff so if something cracks it's visible it's a tough balance right i'll give you an example i mean i'm in a, a, a i guess restaurant business in a way and when I look at the lighthouse, we had our first lighthouse five years ago, and then we waited four years with only one because we didn't feel ready and able to expand. We could have done it, but I didn't feel all the elements were coming to together. So I very much appreciate what you're saying. But then there's the other element of not just external pressure, but if you are successful, putting pressure on yourself. And at some point it said, you know, should we be expanding? Should we be doing more? And once we started doing that, which is the process we're in now, I'm now going the other way and saying, am I moving too much? And if I'm moving too fast, why am I putting this pressure on myself? I mean, do I need to prove something to myself or to the outside? So there's, I think, always this back and forth. And like you, I have a, a partner that I work with very closely. So we're two co-founders mm -hmm. and we're having this discussion at all times. I'm not sure there's a right or wrong here. Uh, something feels right, a particular pace feels right. But certainly I have seen in your business um, on a related business like, people that are uh, artists of different types, that they do put this pressure on themselves or that pressure is, it comes on them uh, externally. And you start seeing uh, a level of creativity that at least to me seems suboptimal. You know, it seems like uh, maybe this has worked commercially. So they start kind of working on the same thing over and over again. It doesn't feel like it took its time. It didn't mature. And it's a very, very fine balance. Because like, uh, like uh, Nicolas said, at the end of the day, you have the differentiation. And if you're not careful, that could fade. It does sometimes. And you're the best judge, judges of that. But it's a very thin balance, right? It's very complicated. It is. And it's a discussion David and I have every single day almost. Like, you know, we look at other, other people's work. We think they change. We notice changes in their in their paths and we say, you know, do you think that would be a good change? Is it not too dangerous? Uh, you know, at some point when you have, when you start from, from the beginning, you have nothing to lose. You know what I mean? Like you're 100%. building, you're still building. Correct. Once you have your foundation and you know where you want to kind of go, even if you know where you want to go, you have to be very careful on how you get there. I'm going to give you a very simple example. When we did our first collection, uh, the, not our first collection, our like fourth collection for Nilufar, it was leaves. It was tables with like around the leaf. It was all these wooden triangles that were sculpted, and people came to the show and they were like, "This is this is not you guys. That doesn't look like your work." We knew already that we were moving towards that direction anyway. And today, yeah. even our our marble vases, our carpets, everything is linked. But maybe it was too. To, uh, uh, yeah, quick, the, the change the was fast, the quick for people, it, yeah. But it was but you not had already a change. moved on. You had evolved. Yeah, already. we were, we were like so to you, years we have been working on this what for we years, want so to what's do. the surprise? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, but but the, the argument was interesting because these tables did not sell up to two years ago. Now they started selling. Yeah. People understood them. People kind of, okay, this is them. Before it was like, no, it's too shocking. It was too... Uh, like Abrupt. Abrupt, exactly.
You guys have a very particular design language. We speak on this uh, on this podcast quite a bit about hybridity. I think many of us uh, have a, a hybrid upbringing in some ways. When we started the lighthouse, I very much wanted to reflect that hybridity in the space, both physical and the menu, the entire experience, the entire experience holistically needed to to express that level of hybridity that I felt. That is something that to me seems quite also going back to these threads that I see in your work. So you both grew up in in, uh, in Lebanon. You have a few uh, collections actually at the beginning. There's a very nice nostalgic one where you bring in furniture from your grandmothers and you sort of appropriate it and contemporize it. I thought it was really cool. I was taking a look at it yesterday. So tell me a little bit about this. How much of that, your background as Lebanese, uh, as someone who grew up in Beirut, is reflected in your work? And how important is it for you that th that hybridity remains? Um, you could also say, I don't care. I mean, it's perfectly fine. No, no, it's definitely, it's definitely uh, like, even like unconsciously, yeah, it comes, uh, it inspires us, okay? Our country inspires us in terms of pro like proportions. The proportion that where you that you use like the with in in, in Lebanon are bigger than Europe, Europe. or even the, uh, yeah you know 100%. so when you do a vase you think of a vase you know hundred <laughs> percent when yeah. you're in uh, when you're in, <laughs> you're in Italy or uh, I don't know in Europe it's like a vase normally yeah, but like the proportion like not just Lebanon maybe Jordan all of them because we worked with Jordan we worked with uh, with like all of the MENA region no. I think all of the MENA region is connected. The GCC, in a way, takes it even turbocharged. I mean, you know, yeah. Because remember, I mean, you grew up, uh, grew up in Beirut, like I grew up in Cairo. Typically, you grew up in apartments in the city. Or maybe they may have been larger than what you see in Europe, but it's still city living. Uh, yeah. In the Gulf, I mean, many of them grew up in houses and compounds and so on and so forth. So it's a very different proportion. And I agree, that is reflective. Uh, you see it across the Arab world, in my view. It's true. And also because, okay, and also we have this very occidental uh, approach. I was born in Paris. I moved to, Be to Beirut when I was seven. Um, in my family, we are very, uh, a bit French. We are very French educated. In Nicola also. They're, they're French. Your so accent we we doesn't didn't... give it away at all, by the way. I thought, really thought it was Dutch. Ah, uh, really? I'm joking. <laughs> Thank you. I'm being a tiny bit ironic. <laughs> I was like, ah, I hope, I hope there is, I hope it was a bit, you know, no, very French, it very French <laughs> yes. uh, accent. <laughs> so with my, uh, so you see, so there is something very interesting is that we, we, um, when we also did this collection, Uluhu, that we said, okay, us as Lebanese, what is our identity? Mm. Okay, and we were like starting digging in our story and everything. And we were like, all the Lebanese have something. They grab things from around the world because they, I love a, that they, idea, they yeah. travel a lot. Okay, and after they put them inside their house, especially in our grandma, there is like this chandelier from 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 Italy, this uh, sofa from France, from uh, everything, this rug from uh, Iran, the, the table from Syria. But there is a very big mix. Okay, yeah. and this is for us. This is. Lebanese. This is the essence. Okay. 100%. This there is this part also, but there is another part which is the Levant. If you have to speak about Egypt, all the Levant. If you have to speak about Lebanon, Syria, all this. And if you go to the past, 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 where you have all the, it's very graphic. It's very yes. graphic. There is yes. all geometries and stuff. And this is where we also 
got inspired in our work, like triangles, lines, and all that. So it's, um, I would say that, yes, our region, our country, our, where we, our region inspires inspire us a lot. Do you find it grounding or disorienting? I think it's grounding, actually. It's, it's it can like, be confusing. I mean, it, it can be because, you know, the, the hardest thing that um, you have to do it subconsciously. You cannot uh, force plan it. it. Like, yeah, you yeah, can't force it's it. It's so true. It's the only way it will look genuine. For us, ah. it's the genuine creativity is very important. This is where we, we stand. We don't like to push things. Some, yeah, sometimes we do little push. <laughs> I completely agree with that. I agree that if it's, if it's forced, it doesn't work. There is a book that we were reading when we did at the beginning of our uh, career when we were working. It's, um, it's the book of Amin Malouf. It's a very like the famous book of the, uh, Les Identités Meurtrières, which is the, in the name of identity, where he speaks about what is identity, what is someone's, what's the identity of a person. At the end, he arrives that an identity is a mix of all his culture that combined where he traveled, so it's unique. Okay, so I cannot say today I am Lebanese, I am uh, I am French, I am uh, I am David. You Hashem, he's Nicola. No, when we come back, we'll dig into how David and Nicola have been delving into one of my favorite subjects, food, and how it influences their thinking and design language. As it turns out, they've been thinking a lot about kitchens. All of that right after the short break. Welcome back. You're listening to the Lighthouse Conversations with our guests, David Raful and Nicolas Mosellen. There's another thread that I see that's something you guys explore on and off that seems to be very important to you. Uh, and obviously, it's something that I think about quite a bit, which is food. So food seems central to some of the work you do. I mean, as I've said earlier, I've been to a, a restaurant in Beirut that, that you guys had designed, which was uh, a, a really beautiful and Lovely. I don't know if it's still there. I hope it is after all the bombings and all of that. But uh, but you've but you've also done other work, both residential and others. And it seems to be the point of kitchens, food, things around that. Walk me a little bit through this. And also, when I saw you at the lighthouse, you you were obviously very interested in food in general. I could tell. I really liked your food, and the food of, <laughs> in the lighthouse was so good. I, I really. Thank you. I hope next Thank time uh, in Dubai, it's the first restaurant. I, I hope to. so too. Thank you. Thank you. It's very kind. So. Is there a thread or is that just me making this up? I'm, I'm very bad with food, so <laughs> let David speak about this. No, food is important. Kitchen. Nicola maybe said, uh, maybe, maybe Nicola says that he doesn't, maybe Nicola is so picky with food. He doesn't like this, he doesn't like this. He will end up only with chicken nuggets and fries <laughs> or if, uh, Ma uh, McDonald's. But it's the truth. <laughs> like, yes, I'm sorry. But I, I, I would say, I would say that um, we love, uh, to focus on the kitchen. Yeah, okay, why? we really like. Actually, I'm going to show you because there is a kitchen here in my, in my place in Milan and we designed it, you know, Nicola, but then it's a whole piece of food wow. and like it's 80 so centimeters nice. uh, deep. I'm, I I'm love it. And uh, because also, you know what? Because also because there is like, you need to focus on where to put the um, spices, where to put the, the pans. Like where a puzzle. To put, so it's, it's a puzzle and how to make it beautiful and to choose. So, Lately, we are really uh, like when we are doing interiors. We are we are we are trying to focus more 
we are focusing on everything, but like we have a special focus on the And very the often it's the heart of a home, right? So the kitchen, you know, I can tell you, we, we in our kitchen here, which is an open kitchen, 80% of our time, whether it's me, my wife, my kids, I mean, is spent around that area. So it's so central. And to your point about puzzle, I mean, all the pieces have to fit in. So how do you do it that it would still follow an aesthetic you're comfortable with of being clean, maybe if that's aesthetic you like. Yet the functionality is very important. All the stuff, like you said, has to be there and easily, uh, readily available. And that's, a, that's, that's not an easy, that's a challenge. But look, a good kitchen is a very, 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 a very beautiful and a very, very good kitchen is a very, very functional kitchen. You're right. Like, like it cannot work if you didn't put the oven in the right place, the, the way the dishwasher in the right place, where you have to clean, like everything should be very well thought. So you, you have your movements are, are not interfering together. So it's a very... Um, and it can be overly clinical, right? So some people do some very clean kitchen lines, designs, but they look so clinical that it looks like you're going to the dentist. And as yeah, you said, I mean, like it has that. to live. It has to live as well, right? I like to have stains on my marble top. I like to have, exactly. like, everything exactly. reminds me that it, we're living here. Yeah. I hate the to come in a kitchen again. and feel yeah. like it's uh, made of uh, Korean or whatever. You're 100% right. And I think those stains and those lines and the tables, that's the element of time, right? That, that it feels lived. Exactly. It's the memories that you built. No, okay. So I'm not good with food, but I'm good with kitchen. So yeah, hey, you are very good. <laughs> I, so I love to like unmount, dismount, like remodel, rethink. All of these things is like, uh, I find it like it's, uh, it's like a you challenge. Know, we, did a, we did a coffee shop uh, here in Milan, a small coffee shop for people, for like the yes. young guys. They did. Uh, I looked it up. Ghost kitchens, they're very young. It's a very start, it's a cool startup. And they, they create these ghost kitchens for chefs if they want to come and uh, rent It's the a kitchen. very fancy ghost kitchen, by the way. I mean, trust me, I know the business of ghost kitchens. And I looked at it, I was like, this ain't the ghost kitchen. I mean, this is like a super duper <laughs> cool ghost kitchen. I will never show it to my chef. No, no, the coffee shop, the coffee shop where we, that we designed, this is a bit like, it's a very, a very casual place. Right? It's nothing uh, crazy fancy. We no, wanted to do to to do something very uh, cool and nice because that where you want to have your coffee in the morning and easy. And around it there is a kitchen. The kitchens are very basic, stainless, nothing. The industrial kitchens, there. very industrial, and it's on the street. Okay, like you can just pick up your food. But it was very interesting because we had to focus on how to make this coffee shop that is in between ghost like kitchens, industrial kitchens, and it's. Uh, yeah, we lately we work a lot with uh, actually with food. <laughs> and, and and I mean, look, I mean, we, we we are we are very involved in this, as you can imagine, in this discussion in terms of uh, physical restaurants, virtual, you know, kitchen, ghost kitchens, close, all of that. And it's amazing how that um, I was actually just having this conversation, and I also invested in some of these cloud kitchen concepts over the years. It's amazing how the line between what's virtual and what's physical has been blurred. Yeah. And most customers actually don't care. And you need to be present in both. In other words, if David comes to the lighthouse, you know, via social media, access via cloud kitchen they might have or physically walks in, I need to give you the same experience. And it's a challenge. It's not easy. Very, but not that exactly. line is getting completely blurred because in some cases, especially on delivery, you don't actually know where it's coming from. But that packaging, the food, the quality has to be, you know, identical. Yeah, I agree. Like it's, I agree. 
everything is mixed up. <laughs> it is mixed up. It is completely yeah, because you cannot. You, you yeah, your head needs to be in or uh, everywhere. You have to think of uh, how to communicate, and at the same time, you have to think of uh, uh, if you communicate wrong, maybe your communication will be too unpersonal. You know, you don't exactly want right. something wrong. So after it's it's you can maybe with your communication give a wrong idea of your place when they come to your place with ah, I thought it was like this. So there is. A, It's a, so it's important to have one person that decide actually chef d'orchestre and will give directions. You're so, right because it's going to be aware of all the things. You that need a chef d'orchestre. So speaking mm -hmm. of which, and this will get us into an interesting discussion about the two of you and your relationship and uh, chef d'orchestre. So so <laughs> let's focus now first on the representation to the outside. So when you're looking at how you're being perceived. Today, obviously, there's social media channels and many other ways of people communicating with you. How do you think about that? Are you looking to portray a particular image or a particular idea to, because this very well may be future customers, et cetera, but also your business has two elements, right? There is a B2C. So people like myself, as I said, consumers, you know, individuals that come, love your work, may approach you. And a B2B element, because you also represent it through galleries uh, that have, ha have clients that are, Businesses, not individuals. Do you think about this, and how do you go about uh, your re representation? We haven't thought about this actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, we we're like we like to be uh, as transparent as we can. For us, like if we if we have to like strategize and think in a in a business way, we would never be able to do what we do. We need to be 100% authentic. We need to be 100% convinced of what we're doing. We have had clients that came in that we did not feel we could work with and we did not work with them. Mm. We have had people that wanted to work with us and we thought there was something interesting. We're not sure, but we thought it was worth developing and trying. And we did that. And to be honest, now we are in a stage of our career where we, we want to, to do some challenges. You know, We are not looking always for the... Next job. Perfect yeah. uh, project that will come. And uh, sometimes we have things coming, but we, we're ready to take it as a challenge, you know, because we want to learn. Okay. It's a, it's a learning process. And, uh, and as Nicola said, I think that the idea is to have always this very authentic uh, image. Okay. We don't want to arrive to a point where we become uh, uh, In, uh, prisoners of something of uh, yeah, of an image you created of or something image, that's yes. not you yeah do you find yourself agreeing i mean walk me a little bit through the relationship so you met in beirut when you were doing your first degree is that right yeah we met uh, we met at mcdonald's well, of course <laughs> we now know, we now know that that's where nicola hangs out <laughs> Most of the time, so that's I hope he's in the eat at McDonald's. <laughs> that's true. We met at McDonald's. I remember. Yeah, we met at McDonald's because David used to eat there a lot. 15 years ago. No, 16, but 16, we, we, were 16. At Libanese, we were at the Lebanese Academy of Fine Art, and we were there, and they're like, um, and there was a friend in common that put us in. Uh, so, so how did it? So, walk me through this because this relationship obviously is very personal, very professional. And I mean, similar to the relationship I have with my business partner. I mean, you spend more time with this person than almost anyone else, whether you like it or not. So you met and then what? You immediately kind of clicked and felt there was a chemistry or did one of you think the other one, oh, he's really, up, you know, he, he has bad taste no, in I McDonald's. I think we clicked. Yeah, but I think David thought I was obnoxious. So 
Yeah, it I took him no, 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 no. <laughs> we clicked. We clicked. I knew. I knew that he would be my friend first. We were. Talk- I was think. We were thinking as friends, but mm. uh, but we clicked directly because we were doing a lot of projects together, even at university. Then after we went to Milan, then after like it's like it was working. We were like we were so transparent together. I I don't mind saying anything. Oh, Nicola, what you're doing is so uh, bad or versa. So, so it's. It's so transparent. There's no ego. Okay. And we worked. Mm. We worked on the ego part. We did, it didn't happen like, ah, oh, we're going to be together and blah, blah, blah. No, we worked on this. Okay. When we present a project, there is no, I did, I did. No, we did. No, now it's, it's I did, I did. Because but the difference is, we, okay, I'm going to explain this. It's a very important point. When we started, we were like, we did. We did, we did. Now I say I did if he did. I don't care, you know. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, exactly. we say I did, it's just it's not with a pretentious. Like when, when, I, when I have a call with a client, I say, okay, I'm going to do this. But it's not me who's doing this. It's me and David. Yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. So it's just now we, we were, we, we became I, but together. And this is what's really interesting. I don't know if David noticed, but in the last couple of years, we moved from being we to I, and it's both of us. Hmm. It's to, you know, we don't even have our personal emails. We have one email for both of us. We don't even have like uh, one for him, one for me. It's one, it's both of us. These details are very important because you realize that at the end, uh, there is no misleading, like no one is misleading the other. There's a huge amount of trust, obviously. It wouldn't work any other yeah. way. Trust oh, yeah, both no way. As, pers- as people and in, in your own respective skill sets because you have to complement each other. Yeah. So how do you complement each other? I mean, do you feel you have different styles in terms of temperament, uh, et cetera, or are you both similar and that's why it works? No, no, we're the complete opposites of the spectrum. Like. Yeah, but somewhat, like you're more realistic, you're more like earthy, like the planet Earth, I'm more in, in the in sky. The yeah. In, in the terms of what you design or in terms of how you approach life? No, in terms of life, we have very different lives. I mean, the overall, well. I always like to approach Nicola go deep. But after like, we exchange roles, it's, it's a very particular approach that we have. Nicola is more like very, not more technical, but he will make things happen sometimes. Mm. Also on the other side, I will also make things happen, but maybe in the other part, we really complement each other. Mm. Do you guys speak every day? Yeah, oh, every yeah. every uh, ten minutes. Every ten minutes. <laughs> FaceTime, FaceTime, like this. Even so after work, just for fun. Like I mean, no, no. It's a uh, but maybe sometimes it's intense. So that was my next question. So do you also hang out outside of your sure. work? So yeah, do. yeah. We have our friends. It's the same group. No, we we are best friends. I go out more. I go out more. I'm more social. No, I understand that, but it's a lot, right? I'm I'm trying to. It's a lot. I mean, you work with each other all day, and then. Does it come like 8 p.m. and you say, you know what, guys, as of 8 p.m., it's fun. We're not going to be talking about work. Or is it sort of completely interchangeable? It is fluid. No. It's totally fluid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can speak about work at the party at like 2 a.m. But it's like a five-minute talk, a quick talk about, oh, tomorrow we have to do this, 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 and that. And then, okay, we like we have a drink. You know, it's not... Uh, yeah, yeah. There, there is no schedule. This is the beauty of it. I may be more social than Nicola. I go out more. I have, I have my lifestyle. My lifestyle is very different from the one of uh, of Nicola. I have a different lifestyle. Yeah, I travel sometimes more, like because maybe I'm more free. Nicola has a family, and yeah, of course, that also makes a makes a difference. And um, when you disagree, what what's the nature of those disagreements? I mean, is it 
on design? Is it on commercial issues? Is it on, you know, what? Give me, give us a sense. I'm not trying to pry, but I'm okay, just I have uh, I have an example. For example, Please. we want to produce uh, a piece. Me, I want to use this material. I want to do this shape. Okay, and I'm going to say no. We have to make it happen. We have to make it happen. After Nicola will say, "Start no, no, no. This doesn't work. It's not. It's not functional. We are, it's going to be super heavy. We're going to have problem with the logistic. We have problem with the, like all the problems that will come with it. You know. But after we say, I, I'm going to push. No, we can. I'm sure we can find a solution. And there is a fight. And there is like, uh, uh, no, you don't understand. This is like we have to. In Arabic, this fight to, is in Arabic. This, uh, this is how we have to. <laughs> This is how we have to create a new piece. This is how we have to like to find a new materials. Blah, blah, blah. After he says, "Yeah, but you cannot do this because, like, you know, this kind of uh, there is a lot of these kinds of uh, of, fight. of fights. It's about. not fight. It's just that I I I'm a, a control freak in general, and he's a control freak, but in very different ways. Uh, I like to be sure that what we are working on is going to happen. I don't like to work, and then at the end. Oh, it's unrealistic. It's like a hundred k to produce. No way, you know. It doesn't make sense. And he is more like a control freak on, like what the product adds to our work or to whatever we're doing. You know, to the collaboration mm. we're working on. That's very interesting. And I, I understand. I understand his obsession with that, and and he understands mine. And this is where we always have to find a point. Actually, where... this is our complementary. This is where yeah, we yeah. complement each other, by the way. Yeah, because both points are important. And for each one to fight for that particular point, you create an internal balance. There's a harmony. I mean, exactly. You can sense a harmony, even in the conversation now, uh, the way you guys are approaching uh, something similar, but from very different angles, which creates, I think, a more harmonious overall outcome. Why do you think that, I mean, you guys have a very successful uh, collaboration relationship You've really built a name for yourself, I must say. I mean, it's fantastic to see um, and to have seen that beautiful evolution over the years. No, I mean that. And for someone who is interested in art and design, but not just, um, it's it's great to see and very proud of that because the reality of it out from our part of the world, there are not that many. Why do you think we're, we're struggling to see uh, designers and even artists, generally speaking, at that level? Is it lack of access? Uh, is it that we're just being measured by Western norms? I mean, or, 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 you know, we don't have the right institutions to support the talent. Why do you think that that's the case? I think most of the, the problem with design in general is that people want to become uh, like stars overnight. They don't want to put the hard work. They don't want to put the hard work. And I think that the, the, like our, our field is a field of hard work. It's a field of perseverance. It's a field of also having a clear vision of what you want to put to the table. Like, what are you adding to the table? I'm not talking about uh, someone in general, but most designers tend to look at what's happening in Europe and they want to do something that is European, but it's impersonal. Like, why would you have something right. Scandinavian so made in Beirut? It doesn't make but sense. You need to find, but you need to find a good uh, recipe. Yeah, your, your differentiation point, absolutely. Yeah. But you also need to dream big. Right, you have to dream. We, me and Nicola, to be Nicola and me, we, we indeed we we have a vision that is very similar. This is what definitely because you could have just been very celebrated in Beirut, and that's still very satisfying, right? You know, yeah, and, no, yeah, and, yeah, it is, it is satisfying. And you could have just said that, "Khalas, I'm the king of my own castle." 
why the hell would I go and bother with Nirofar and, and carpenters and put myself out there and then more criticism? And because more... you need credibility. And Nicole and I, we always needed credibility. We couldn't trust only the credibility of the, the critics of Lebanon because it's not great. We need, like, when we created a piece... No, I completely understand. A stamp of approval, in a way. Yeah, because it makes us to see if we are, like, doing the right thing because it compares with, me with everything that is created around the world. But you still think like that? So now you have it. It's sort of akin to, you know, going to Harvard and having the degree. Once you have it, then what? You know, so, so people are finding it very hard to get in once they're in and they graduate. I mean, you have that now. You have that step. Uh, no, no. It's having our own. Uh, like, it's not. That I don't think I we have to. it. Uh, you know, it's very, it's very weird because David and I, I don't think we have the same uh, point on this. That I personally don't care what people think of what we're doing. I have really, you really zero. Let, let, me, let me push you on this. Do you really not or you think you don't? Because... I want to no, just push I, don't, back. I don't. I really don't. So if you do a show today in Milan or not even anywhere, and you come back and all the critics and everybody's like, oh, it's really not good. I mean, we really don't like this one. You, it wouldn't affect you? No. Me, me personally, no, I don't care. Really not? Nicolai is very... Uh, <laughs> like, I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked by this. Me, it will affect me. Me, it will affect me. It will affect me for sure. I wasn't sure. You need to understand who are the critics. You know what I mean? Like it's very easy now on social yeah. media. You can see everybody can criticize you're everything. Right. It's okay. You're so right. if you're gonna be uh, like shamed by by uh, by people who can have very various agendas that have personal gain to do that, also yeah. But what if point? somebody who, who you who you think is credible? Let's say Nina comes to you and tells you, you know, uh, Nicola, honestly, work. I don't like it. It's not good. I mean, would it not? Would you not care? She she wouldn't do that if if we're working on a collection together. No. True, but what if you're working on a different collection, not together? I'm sorry, I'm no, pushing no, you I know, for a I know, reason. I understand. I understand. And she, she might, she might have, she might have said that sometime uh, in the past, also that uh, I like this collection, but I don't know. It's not too much you for her. It's not us. And it didn't affect you. No, it doesn't affect me because I respect her point of view. But I'm on a, we're, we're on a completely different cloud. You know, we have. Uh, um, a vision from A to not Z. I don't know where it stops because then at some point you need yeah, to discover new stuff. <laughs> and if someone doesn't understand what we're doing and in the present moment, it doesn't mean that they won't get it two years from now. You don't get bouts of self-doubt? No, we have self-doubt. We get tiny, tons of okay. self-doubt, but between us, not because of people. Yeah, there's a, yeah. a lot of between. We, we, we question our, our design, our work. Our... No, no, you we, can't we, imagine how many times we re-evaluate everything. I'm sure. Like, at least yeah. once a month. No, we do it a lot, actually. Have you looked generally in terms of product design I mean, you're obviously uh, have, you, your focus has been for the most part on furniture and some smaller objects as well. Do you see yourselves, for example, doing something that is completely away from that, maybe purely object design or, or even something, you know, a very different type of uh, medium? Yeah, yeah, I, I, no problem. But with the collaboration with someone, not us as a, as a store. Like I would see this yeah, working no, on yeah. a... I would love to work on a set of tools with a tool manufacturer that's like insane that can do little leather works. Why not? But us are, are we don't like to design pieces that are not asked for. I don't know. I don't know how to explain. Like if yeah, yeah, today yeah, no, no, uh, yeah. I'm not going to say, okay, David, it's Wednesday. Let's do a chair. For whom? No one. Just just do a chair. No, no way. No, it doesn't even come. 
Yeah, but sometimes, Nicola, sometimes what's happening, like it happened many times, we have an idea suddenly and we just do it. You know? Yes, but the idea, even the idea we have, it comes related to something. It doesn't come out of the blue. Like it comes, for example, I have this idea for carpenters. I have this idea for Nilufar. And, and because the idea is already kind of has a DNA of who is going to be working with us. It doesn't just come and it's just us. Speaking of that, can you maybe uh, spend a few minutes just telling us what you're currently working on? Is there anything in the in the near future that we may beyond the Spotify list too, which I'm now expecting, by the way. <laughs> no, we, will, we, will, uh, we will share it with you. Uh, Pressure is uh, on. Um, no, we're working on many, like we're working on design, right? furniture design. We're trying, we're working for carpenters. We're doing, we're creating new, new pieces. Uh, we're working also on private residence, like in Egypt, we're doing a coffee in Riyadh. And coffee shop. How fun? Yeah, coffee shop. Not a restaurant, coffee shop. And also Beirut, you have some projects. Beirut, less project with what's happening, but we still have some some stuff. So it's a bit, uh, voila, mix and... What are you doing in Egypt? Is it something residential? Residential. Yeah. yeah. Have you been there recently? Yes. Yeah. For the first time. Ah, for the first time. Okay, so you don't have a reference point. Four months ago. No, because there's such a boom happening that, I mean, for people like me that grew up there and since the revolution, it was so depressed, all of a sudden there's such a, a new type of energy and obviously furious construction, as I'm sure you've noticed. Yeah, a lot. So I'm curious, what was your impression? No, it's impressive. It's no, it like, was super impressive. It's like very inspiring. The most beautiful museum is the National Museum, I think. Personally, it's the most yeah, beautiful I museum I saw in my life, okay? I didn't wow. see all of them yeah. in the world, so I don't know. Maybe I have to go to the Wood, sure. the wood Museum of, um, of Japan. Okay, sure. Uh, but it was like, it's intense. There is a lot of information, but also what actually, it's, what's very weird is like the poverty and the rich side yeah. of the city. Yeah. I don't know. The, the juxtaposition, yeah. the juxtaposition of the two and the contrast. I think there is a lot of work uh, in Egypt to work on the human side. Even the acceptance of the people, like the mentality, the woman. The, there is a lot of things. It's like we can't. This is the only thing that actually makes me think a lot about the, the country. That's so interesting. Thank you, guys. That was really uh, uh, great, very thoughtful, very inspiring. <laughs> Thank you, Hashim. I'm sure a lot of people out didn't of it. Say, uh, we, I think that's no, what no. you said. Was no, no, you being yourselves, <laughs> which makes for the best conversations. Thank you for joining us on the Lighthouse Conversations with me, Hashem Montasir. We're produced by Chirag Desai, and our content director is Farah Sharif. You can find out more about David and Nicola's work on davidandnicola.com, and there'll also be a link in our show notes. You can tell us what you thought of this episode by leaving us a review on your podcast app or finding us on Instagram at thelighthouse underscore AE. And please, please share the link with your friends if you've enjoyed this. We'll see you again in two weeks.